says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And this morning, we're going to talk about homecoming. And, it's, and, and if you know anything about this story, how many of you have heard of the story of the prodigal son? You know, they did a survey, and they did what's the best literary short story that you've ever heard in your life. And 70% of people voted on the prodigal son. Uh, these are people that are saved, not saved, walking with God, not walking with God. And actually, prodigal means this. It means wasted. How many of you say you've wasted a few moments in your life? How many of you wasted some time in some relationships? You go, man, I wasted my time. How many of you guys, have you spent money for a girl that you were trying to pursue, and you go, that was wasted? Amen. All right? And uh, so all of us, you know, how many of you heard, how many of you heard a sermon about the prodigal son before? Come on, just raise your hand. Pastor Josh preached one a couple of weeks ago. I know that. And so if you weren't here, act like you heard it, all right? And uh, now because many of you heard the story, I want to clarify a couple of things about this story before we really get into it. And, and so I heard preachers talk about the younger brother as a little hellion. You know, he, he just was crazy. He did things. He, he was a rebel child. Uh, maybe he, he was impatient or he was arrogant. But I don't think he was evil. See, the scary part of the story is the father gives his son what he asked for. Now, listen to me. If I asked my dad for things that I wanted sometimes, there's a few things he wouldn't give me. Like, number one, when I was in high school, Dad, buy me a Malibu, 1969 Malibu, SS, Cal Injection. Dad, will you, buy, will you give me one? Not on your life, son. Go get a J-O-B. You know, and so what happens here is that he gives him everything. And the scary, that's the scary part. The father does not argue with his son or even withhold what he's asking. How many of you have, had, how many have children? How many of you have had them ask you to argue for things from you? Come on. And your children did not win. And you felt good about it. All right. And so what happens is he comes to this point and, and, and he, he doesn't withhold. He just gives him what he wanted. Many of you that are feeling distant from God, maybe, even right now in your own personal life, it's because God has given you what you asked for. Not only that, he's just, he lets you go your own way. God loves you enough that when you ask for something, sometimes he gives it to you. You know, I know people who say, I don't want God. So God goes, all right, I just won't be involved in your affairs. Now I'll try to put protection over you, cover you, because you're a couillon. But, you know, there's some things that, you know, that you got to watch. And so what God does is he, he, he does that. And see, right here in this scripture, in verse 13, he says, you know, so I want to speak. What happens is, the scary part is that, and many of you that are feeling distance from God, it's because he's given you what you want. I want to speak to those who have gone their own way. And God let you go your own way. And now you find yourself distant from him. How many of you have felt distant from God? You know, I've been walking with the Lord for 35 years, and there's some days that I wake up in the morning, and I feel distant. And it's not because of him. It's because of me. And sometimes it just may be a season in my life, you know? But I believe this is in verse 13. He says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there squanders wealth with wild living. How many of you would say you had some wild living? Three of you. I'm praying for the rest of you because you look like you're wild. Okay, so we, let me just clarify something before we start. How many of you have ever lied in your life? How many of you have never lied? Don't start lying in church this morning. Okay? 
How many of you had some wild living, had some wild oats? Come on. Some of you got some things. We didn't, you don't want us to show the video. Okay? So what happens is now when we set off, he said something. Sin will always take you further than you want to, ever want to go. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you ever want to pay. And see, what happens is, can you pinpoint the place in your life where you set off in the wrong direction? I mean, some people can. Some people can say, I remember this day. I can remember many, very many moments when I distanced my heart. I remember I allowed bitterness to get in my heart when I was a young child. Bitter towards someone that hurt me. And I allowed bitterness to blind me from being able to see what they were really like. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I remember the time that I distanced myself when I lied to my teacher. I remember one time I got a report card. How many remember report cards? God, I think those days are over. God, thank you, Jesus. And I, I went to a private school, and I remember one time I made three F's on my report card in nine weeks. Some of you would beat your child, I know. And you know what I did? I changed them to B's. I remember, and my stepfather, man, I, he was all, man, you really picked up your grade. And it, it was a bad forge job. I mean, I never forget, man, they, they, were, they were all excited. They were all, you know, and then they knew. They knew I was lying. I mean, when you put black ink on blue ink, it don't look good. <laughs> and I remember, man, I mean, I got punished. I couldn't hunt. That was worse than whipping me. There was just things they took away from me. I can remember, I can remember lying, I can remember bitterness, I can remember anger getting in my heart. I can remember being angry at people and sometimes not even know why I was angry. You ever feel that way? And you just don't know why. I can remember when my stepfather, I got kicked out of the house. I was asked to leave. And I remember being like the son. Now, he didn't give me everything I wanted. He said, get your clothes and get out. And I can remember being at that point, coming to my, coming that point, I said, well, you know what? If that's what y'all going to do, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I want to do. I moved to Karen Crow and grew, grew marijuana for a while and sold it. It was good. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not lying. I'm not a lying preacher. Some of you go, wow, he's talking. I'm not peddling dope either. I'm a farmer dope head that gives you hope. Holy. Hopefully you get hope in your head. But you can pinpoint. I can go back and look at things in my life and I can pinpoint areas where I just allowed myself to be blinded by, by my own circumstances and I was trying to blame everybody else on my situation rather than taking the responsibility for who I was or what I'd become. And see, when you look at verse 14, it says, and after he'd spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. I want to highlight three phrases out of that scripture right there. And, 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 I, want to talk, and I want to talk to you about each one of them. The first phrase that I want to talk to you about, he spent everything. Say to me, say, spent everything. I can remember going out, and I had a great job working for the world's largest surveying company. It was called John Chanson Associates and at 19, 20 years old. And, I mean, I was making great money, and I'd get friendly when I'd get a little juiced up. And sometimes I'd wake up the next morning because I didn't know where I was or what I did. And my friends would tell me, and I'd go look at my money clip because I got real friendly, and I'd help people. I was a giver when I got friendly. And I, I remember going back and looking at my money clip and going, wow, I spent some money last night. 
And see, what happens is this story makes it sound like it happened overnight. But I just want to tell you something. But you never drift from God overnight. See, what happened, it was a season in this guy's life. This could be years. This could be five, six years. It doesn't say the amount that his father gave, but he was a wealthy man. He was a wise man. He was a compassionate father. Nobody wakes up and says, today I'm deciding to turn my back on God and everybody else. Nah, 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 nah. That's it. What happens is it's like that slow drift. It's kind of like the frog being put in the cold water and you slowly turn the heat up. And he don't know he's dead until he's dead. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know how he knows he's dead, but, not, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother. I don't know. But what happens is, is that for every one of us, you just don't wake up and go, that's it. What, what happens is it's over a period of time. It's just hardness. I remember the first time I was 12 years old, 11, I stole a pack of old golds. You know what old golds is? Cigarettes. Remember? I mean, long time ago. I don't even know if they make them. Do they still make them? Okay, I was trying to get someone to know. I smoked those. Anyway, just, I remember getting some old goals and going out to the woods. And me and my friend, I don't know if my brother was there with me or not, but my friends, Dan and Brad Powell, we stole, I stole a pack and we started smoking old goals. I mean, those things are like, they're not like old gold. They're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and then we were, we, were, we were smoking. And, you know, back then, if you didn't know how to smoke, you know, you just, I just, you know, you kind of go, <laughs> And one of them goes, well, you need to inhale it. What does that mean? It makes you go down in your lungs and you blow it out from there. And I go, okay. And I know why they call it inhale. I had a revelation of what inhale was. And I remember just going, that was the first time. But what happens is I started making it a habit. And by the time I was 19, I was smoking all the time. But it started out, my, everything in my body was saying, reject, reject. You know what I'm talking about? And what happened is, is it's like you just don't, you don't just get, go around. It's a slow drift. Then you graduate to other things. How you know what I'm talking about? Well, I'll just go as far. You'll draw the line. I'll just go this far. I won't do that. And then you go there. And I'm, well, I won't do that. And well, you know, okay. But I, and, and I won't. And we drift. And we become like a ship or like a cork bobbing on the waves of life rather than being like a ship going in the harbor and know where it's going. The next line, the next phrase that I want to show you, he says he spent everything, but also he did this. There was a severe famine that came place. What's a famine? Where everything dries up. I don't know if you know this, but in California, they're starting to ration. The governor, Governor Brown, just made a declaration. They're rationing water in California. I mean, forget washing your car. Forget washing your you know, ATV, all those kind of things. They're just, they're putting restrictions on water. And so it takes a fam- Sometimes things got to dry up in our lives in order for us to recognize our need for God. Sometimes famine is good. How many are you talking about? What happens, all of a sudden, relationships that you thought were doing well, they dry up. 
All of a sudden, the job that you had and you had security in that job or those finances, it dries up. It's a famine. It may be, it may be just things that are happening in your life, and it seems like everything you touch. Have you ever had that where everything you touch, it just seemed to break or something happened or, oh, we got to pay this now or i got to bring the car in, for a sh- in the shop again? There's a famine. There could be a famine in your health. All of a sudden, things get, begin to change, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. But can I tell you something, guys? Is this, God uses times when we spend everything we've tried, we've invested everything we could, when everything's dried up and it's a famine. And all of a sudden, what does God do? He begins to show us things. Because you know why? We don't recognize it while everything's going good, do we? All of a sudden, when things begin to dry up, we begin to go, wait a minute. There's more to life than this. And you put in the blank. You fill in the, the this blank. The next phrase is he, he began to be in need. What does that mean? Many of you find, you know, many of us have, have finally come to a place where we've spent all and we're in need. You've tried everything. You've tried sexual partners. You, you've tried drugs. You've, you've tried success. You've tried but you still feel empty. Empty. There's a grace between sin and punishment, and it's called pleasure. The Bible even said sin brings pleasure for a season. Listen, if people weren't, if people weren't having fun doing it, they wouldn't do it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are pleasures, but there's, there are things that are meant to be in a certain environment. And what happens is, what happens is in those pleasures is this, is it, that, that just because your life is falling apart, yet doesn't mean that you gotta, you, you, you're not going in the wrong direction. I like, I like to begin, you know what? I like that he began to be in need, which means you don't have to hit rock bottom and not go in the wrong direction. Can I just be honest with you? I, I, me- I remember there are many times that people have prayed. How many of you prayed this prayer for a while? Lord, let them go to the bottom. So all they can do is look up and know that they need you. How many of you ever felt like you've been at the bottom of your life? Come on, let's be real. Come on. We're, all, all of you say you're going to be honest. How many of you, all of a sudden you got to the point where you go, you know what? I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. I've got the scars to prove it. I've got the debt to show it. I've got this and all this stuff. And look, and none of these things, I have this relationship, but none of these things have brought fulfillment in my life. You see, what happens is, is that, you know, he finds himself and he begins, what happens is he, he he begins to be in need. In verse 15, let's look what happens. He hit rock bottom. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He sent, to, he sent him to his fields, fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, I just say this. Pig slop never satisfies anything. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Be it through career, be it through money, goods, toys, trinkets. You're trying to find fulfillment or satisfaction. And I'll tell you what, you'll thirst again. You'll want more. The Lord is the only one who can satisfy you deeply. See, he got to the point where he thought he, he, had, he had it going on. You know, like he had it going on. I like my friend, he had it going on. That's what my friend says. 
He had it going on. He had, he had friends. How many of you know you got lots of friends when you got lots of goods? Yeah. But let something dry up. Let something dry up. You know, I, I was a guy. I was uh, most popular in my class, my funny, all those things. I got all those these things, you know, class favorite, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? When I gave my life to the Lord, I had lots and lots and lots of friends. But you know what? When I gave my life to the Lord and started a new journey, I found out who my real friends were. I began to realize, wait a minute. I don't have as many friends and I don't have as many people that I thought they'd like me. They wanted me for my stuff. You see, what happens is, is right here, he found himself at a place that he never thought he would. He'd be. And see, if you know anything about the Jewish culture, Jews weren't allowed to eat pigs, much less touch pigs. And he asked a guy that owns a pig herd if he could go just say work for him and pay him to feed the pigs. How many of you ever done something that you thought you would never do because you came to the bottom of your life? See, most of us, we end up doing things we never dreamed that we'd ever do. And like I said earlier, it makes you go further than you ever thought you would go. And it keeps you a little longer than you really wanted to stay there. I can remember as a kid, my uncle was a sheriff of Calcasieu Parish for years. And he'd bring drug books home. He had a drug program. And I used to look at those. And I remember as a little kid, I'll never do drugs. I'll never do drugs. But I got on a baseball team and all the older guys were doing stuff. And I wanted to fit in like them and be like them. You know, and I remember... Just being at that point. And I, I started, and I said, well, this is far as I'll go. I won't do this. And then I'm doing things that I never thought I'd ever do. Actually, I got caught with drugs two weeks before I graduated Our Lady of Fatima, which is now St. Thomas More in Lafayette. I stood before the school board, the priest, the parents, and everything else. My parents were embarrassed. They let me graduate, but I didn't graduate with the class. you imagine that? I had to call all my relatives and they don't bother coming. I brought shame. I ended up being in a place that I never thought I'd ever be as a little child to being someone that I didn't even know anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so what happens is, here's this guy, this young guy, and he he has all the inheritance. He's going out, you know, people are sponging off him, and when it starts drying up, everybody leaves him instead of helping him. And what happens is, in, in verse 17, he says, and he came to his senses. That means all of a sudden he began to realize, wait a minute, <laughs> there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. How many of you have ever had to come to that point? There's got to be a better way. How many of you would rather be, how many would you rather in your marriage, your relationship be great than you fighting? Come on. It's all good when it's all good, right? It's all bad when it ain't good. And see what happened? I'm using bad English, but anyway. And so, but when Christ died, he died so that all grace could abound toward you. Verse 17, and when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? If you put it in modern terms, man, daddy's refrigerator's always stopped. Man, we've always got, we do barbecues on weekends. We have crawfish boils. Come on, from South Louisiana. I'll just, I mean, 
all these things. But when Christ died, he died that all grace could abound toward you and me. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can walk in holiness. What does that mean? That all of a sudden, for the first time, when you trust the Lord and you give your whole heart to him and you allow all of him to come and invade your life, all of a sudden, there's a power that you never had before that's right there to help you. Yeah, there's a voice that speaks to you. Because see, this is the way the enemy speaks. You know good. Nothing good for nothing. Barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in a Delcom Harbor. You're worse than that. You'll never, you'll never. Oh, you think you're going to change. You will never change. But you know what God's voice is doing? Come on. And I, you know what I believe this morning? I believe that this, this morning, I believe you can't see him, but I know I can feel him. Amen. That Jesus is walking between these aisles. As I'm preaching, you know what he's saying? He says, my word will never return void. That the Holy Spirit is coming and he says, hey, you know that. You've experienced that. You know what it's like, that pain. You know what it's like to have rejection. You know what it's like being at the point where you're at the bottom. You feel like you have no hope. Where, where am I going to get hope? You, how many you know talking about? I'm spitting. I'm, okay. I'm, Holy Spit. Anyway. That's why there's no one sitting right here. Anyway. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that you can walk in holiness. What does that mean? I mean, it's not by my power. It's not by my might. It's not by anything I do. It's me. Like Pastor Josh said, it's by me having faith and trusting God that he can help me to become what he desires me to be. All of us have dreams for our children. We want them to do better than us and be more successful than us, don't we? That's your heavenly father. You can walk in the goodness of God. You can walk in purity. You can understand the Bible. I remember before I knew the Lord, I didn't understand it. It's like intercepting a love letter for someone else that you don't know. Come on. And he goes, this just don't make sense. But when you meet the person behind the letter, all of a sudden it begins to make sense. I have a box. Tracy and I have a box in our attic. And it's, that's before texts and emails. And that's when we had paper. <laughs> and you had stamps. You licked them. And you put it on the little envelope. And you sent the letter to someone. We have a box full of our love letters. And it's, it's kind of cool you know what, you can go up there, and I never told my wife I loved her until I asked her to marry me. So there's a lot of those, your friend, I was going, your best friend, from your, you know, next step friend, you know what I mean? We just made a commitment. And I go in there, and I read those letters, and all of a sudden it's like, whoo, something just rises up inside my chest, and I go, wow, and all of a sudden, sorry, it's my granddaughter. She's going to live. She recognized me. What happened? She goes, there he is. And what happens is, it's like I get those and there's, my heart beats fast. And I have memories and all those things that flood me. Why? Because I know the person behind the letter. And see, when you know the person behind the book... All of a sudden, there's a hope. There's, and you, under, you begin to understand what the Bible's all about. It's a love letter written to you and me that God loves you. It's a story of a father and a son that had hope and a desire that you would come and be restored to a right relationship where it was broken in the garden by Adam. But Jesus came. 
The father looked down and he said, I'll send the best I have. In fact, I'll send you as a missionary to the world, son. And you're going to reach the world. And you know the story of Jesus that he came. He, he came, he lived, he died. He lived a sinless life. Then he became sin, my sin, your sin, on the cross. For the first time, he felt the separation of what sin brings between his relationship between him and his father. See, verse 18 I will set out and go back to my father. Here he is speaking to himself and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of these hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. That's like, Remember, he, he, he left. He said, give, him, give me my estate. And he came back. He says, let me be your son. I'll be a servant. He said, let me. Remember, he was, give me. Now he's saying, let me be a servant. Can I just tell you something? I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus. It went in a church service like this. It was a moment where I was at the bottom. I had money. I had friends. I had stuff. But I came to myself. I had to come to my senses. And I began to realize that I, I was hurting the people that I loved the most. And I remember God spoke to me because my dad came and visited me. And when my dad came and visited me, I had a shotgun up on my, over my TV. And he grabbed me. I've never seen that shotgun. Son, Dad, you've seen that shotgun a thousand times. He opened it up, double barrel. There was two big joints in each barrel. And I remember my dad shaking because I think he wanted to wrap the gun around my head. And he put it back on the thing. And he looked at me and said, son, just because everybody gets on the roof. I'll t- I'm not going to tell you exactly what he said because I can't pronounce the adjectives what he told me. <laughs> he said, just because everybody else gets on the corner roof and jumps, does that mean you have to, son? I go, well, no, dad. And he said, well, you know what? Don't do everything that everybody else is doing. Be who you are. And he said, I love you. And he left. Because he'd come to visit me. And I remember when he left, this is what Lord, I, I heard the Lord voice. He says, I, I felt this. I felt like if I'm hurting the people that love me the most that I can see, how much more must I be breaking God's heart who I can't see? And that's, what, that's when I began to come to my senses. I began to pull up my Bible. I began to read. I began to search. And God started making himself real. He made a plan on how he was going to come home. See, I believe this. For some of you, maybe you came. And I appreciate you coming today on Easter. If you're visiting, I'm so glad you came. You made the step to come. But you, you came maybe this morning. You thought, it's time for me to come home. It's time for me. I know my grandmother's praying. I know my mama's been. There are people been praying. You grew up or you grew up and go, I remember going as a church as a child. And maybe you were wounded by somebody did something or said something or treated you a certain way. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry. But you're here this morning. Many of you rehearsing your homecoming speech. What do I do? Verse 20. But when he was still a long way off, 
I love this. His father saw him. And he's filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Listen, God doesn't have to come to you. We're the ones that have, we're the ones that, that sinned. We're the ones that fell short. We're the ones that drifted away. You know what? I drifted away. You drifted away. God, you know what? God remained faithful even in the midst of our faithlessness. He doesn't have to come to you. But can I tell you something? But he does. He comes. I want to congratulate you for coming to church. You might still be struggling, but at least you made a step in the right direction. Amen? Amen. You know, when God sees us make a step, just like the prodigal's father, the the father, he runs to us. The father got completely undignified, and he came to his son. How many of you have ever tried to run in a robe? I mean, yeah, he's lifting it up, whatever he was doing. He was running. Jesus got completely undignified, becoming a servant, dying on the cross for my sins and your sins. God came to you. He ran to you. He forgave you. He embraced you. Amen? Turn with me to verse 21. Are y'all learning anything yet? The son said to him, Father, I've sinned. You know, I looked up that phrase. There's only eight people in the entire Bible. I found that as a fact this morning, just studying. There's only eight people in the Bible that it records. It's, I've sinned, Father, forgive me. Or, I've sinned, God, forgive me. Moses was one. David was one. And the prodigal son. There's many others. He said, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. You know what the best robe was? His father's robe. Take it off me. Put it on my son. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. We're going to have a couchon de lait. And kill it. Let a feast and, and feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So, that, so they begin. Let me celebrate. Party. They didn't celebrate. They party, baby. How many of you know they were having a festival? Amen. I can remember the day. I remember having that. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord. and I, was gonna, I, I called my mom. She freaked out. I called my grandmother. She would praise God. I mean, she was so excited. My grandmother had been praying for me. She was so excited about me giving my life to the Lord. She, I went and visited her. She brought me to all her friends, and they, they opened the door, and they go, oh, praise God. They lay hands on me. La, 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 la. You know, all that. <laughs> they were so happy because they'd been praying. They just knew my name, but all of a sudden they saw the face. She was so happy she got me on a Christian program to share my testimony on TV. She was just so happy. You know what? I remember going to my daddy. And when I went to my daddy, I told him. And he wept. He said, son, it's the smartest thing you can ever do is follow God. 
Two weeks later, my dad gave his life to the Lord. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'll tell you how God's kingdom works. My grandmother prayed for me, brought me to all her friends, all that stuff. And then I went to Bible college. And then after Bible college, I was working for the 700 Club, phone, doing phone, uh, phone counseling. And my grandfather started watching 700 Club just so he could see if I was on the phone counseling people. <laughs> no, seriously, this is true. And one day, somebody was speaking. He was looking for me on the phone, and he heard what they were speaking, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Because let me tell you something. You never know what path, what direction, what God's going to do. My cousin that just went home to be with the Lord, he's, how old was he, 48, 48. I let my grandma, I go visit my grandmother when she goes, you need to go talk to Ham. He needs to give his life to Jesus. You need to go lead him to the Lord. Okay, Nene, whatever you say. And I remember my cousin just spilling his heart. Saying, I'm at the end of my rope. I've done, and I remember praying, praying for him to receive salvation. You never know. Listen to me. Let me say, you haven't gone too far. Well, Pastor, but I've had people, you know, I think I've gone too far. How many of you have heard that one before? I, I think I've just messed up too much. I mean, you don't know my life. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've gone to the, let me, if you're in the guttermost, God loves you. God loves you while you're in your pig slop. God loves you. Why? You know what? He's reaching out to you today. That you have a desire. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. Hello? Anybody home? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about an intimate relationship with the God of heaven. That he can speak to you. That he can make himself real. He can help you in your circumstances. He can give you wisdom. He can give you discernment. He can give you guidance. How many might need a few of those? You see, let me tell you about the heart of God. He's a father. And you know when you say that in this generation now? Well, if he's anything like my father was, I don't want anything to do with him. He's the father that you always dreamed of having. He's that kind of father. Talked to a guy the other day, and I said, you know, I was talking about dads. You know, Pastor, I didn't grow up with a daddy. I said, wow, man, I'm, I'm sorry. But you know what? God's your father. You're never going to, I, I just know this. I'm not going to be able to explain it. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to work your way out of where you're at. This is the gospel. Let me tell you what the gospel is. While we were yet sinners, listen to me, or we were far away from God, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. While I was far, put your name in the blank. While I was far. And see, I just say, I'll tell you this. If you were goody-goody, I used to sit behind you in class and try to cheat. But if you're a good, listen, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And see, you're dead. See, what happens when we begin to allow the bondage of sin to wrap around us with its cords, we become blind to our situation and circumstances. So we're always trying to add, trying to get this. And well, if I buy this, if I do this, if I add this, if I get this bigger thing, and all of a sudden they're never satisfied. The Father gave him everything. See, when, when he forgives, he doesn't excuse you. He restores you. He doesn't excuse your sin. He restores you back to the original intent of what he desired you to be and what you become. 
See, the father gave him everything he wanted. Even though he had lost his ring, his robe, and his sandals. You know what the father did? This is what God does. He restores it. The father took off his robe, put it on his son. He took the ring that represented authority or his identity, the family crest. It represented his identity, who he was. He said, I'm not going to make you a servant. I'm going to restore you to be my son. Then he, the servants didn't have shoes. Only free men had shoes and sandals. So what God did is God gives you a new identity. He puts the intent, original intent of who he desired you to be, and he covers you. See, the robe represents grace clothes. That God covers you with his grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because without his grace, we're walking in death clothes. You're, you're naked. You're not covered. He covers. That's what grace, he covers your sin. Then he gives you freedom. What you've been looking for. Freedom. Ephesians says it like this. Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you've been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. You can't work your way getting it. See, it's, it's the faith God already puts in us. Are you hearing? It's, it's the faith he puts in. We just got to cry out, God, I trust. I believe what you did for me, that you died for me, that you're willing to sacrifice your life for me and help me to walk in freedom. God, I believe that, that you died for me, that you love me enough. And what happens is, what happens is it says, and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to wrap it up. How many of us, especially those that are a little older, spent years of our adult lives struggling to overcome the problems of our past? Come on. Come on. Y'all look sad. I'm going to ask again. Okay? How many of you, especially those that are a little older, well, Pastor, how's older? Okay. 25. Okay. Now that you have children, okay? My wife never cussed that we had children. <laughs> you spent years of your adult lives struggling to overcome the problems of your past. Come on. How many of you would like your children and your grandchildren to grow up not having to deal with these problems? I don't want them to. There's two steps to come home. You see, freedom from our sins and our personal failures in our lives begin when we take responsibility. I made that decision. I made that choice. I was blind, but now I see. You see, these are two steps that come home. The first one is repent. Acknowledge your sin, your issue, whatever you're dealing with, and see it the way God sees it. It's kind of like the prodigal. He changes direction, and he heads toward his father. See, he was walking from his father. And what happened is, when he realized where he was at, what was going on in his life, he turned direction. He goes, I'm walking to the father. I'm walking. And see, that's, it's a picture of God. The father is a picture of Father God. That we, we walk away in our sin, and all of a sudden, we come to our senses and go, I'm going back. I'm going back to the original intent. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what God wants me to do. But I'm walking back to him. 
And the second thing is, you just turn. Allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and wash you clean. What does that mean, Pastor Baba? That when Jesus died on the cross and he spilt his blood for you, he became the sacrificial lamb. If you know anything about the Old Testament, I'm not here to teach you all that. But he became the sacrifice because the Jews had to go and they had to get a lamb or a turtle dove if they couldn't afford a lamb. And they would go to the temple once a year and they would sacrifice and they would shed the blood of that animal. And it would represent, it was the covering of their sin. And so when Jesus became, he became the sacrificial lamb for you and me, for our sins. And he shed his blood. And so when we receive him, all of a sudden, you know what his blood does? It covers us. So when the father looks at us now, listen to me. He doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus. He's covered by my son. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's no more separation. There's an open heaven. The heavens aren't like brass. There's a relationship that God can speak to us. We can hear him. It's whether or not we listen and obey. And we can talk about I mean, it's, it's a communication. It's a relationship begins to develop. And he washes us. Easter is this, that Christ died, he rose, and he's given us power to be overcomers. Amen? Amen. I'd like to do this. I just want to end by praying this morning. Maybe you're here and just bow our heads and let's close our eyes for who God is out of respect to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I know that I have some failures, personal failures, and I've been trying to blame other people for what I've walked through, but I realize that I need to take responsibility for my own actions and my own life. And I know that I need to ask God to forgive me. I need to repent. I need to see things his way. But right now, just like that prodigal, I want to turn to the Father this morning and allow my heart to change. That I will walk in a relationship with him from this day forward. That I will trust him with all my heart, all my life. And I'll serve him with everything that's in me. If that's you, you say, Pastor Bob, I want to I turn my heart. And I want to give my whole heart to Jesus this morning. And I want to trust him. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one looking around. Just no one looking around. Raise your hand real high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Give you your time. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? It's time to come home, guys. It's time.